Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Praise Chapel Las Vegas. My name is Woody Calvary. Me and my wife, Apples, we pastor Praise Chapel Azusa. Some of you may know, and maybe some of you don't know, but now you know. What's up? I hope you're doing well this morning. Well, this morning I get to minister the Word of God to you today at the request of your pastor, Art Corral, my primo. Him and uh, Maria, we just love the Corral family. We love the Praise Chapel Las Vegas Church. You guys are awesome. And uh, I'm really blessed to be able to bring the Word of God to you this morning. Amen. I pray that you uh, gather together, get your notes ready, and um, and just follow along and stick with it. I I believe God wants to speak to you uh, as a church, as as a body of believers, and what you're doing for God. Amen. And you're being faithful in the time, especially right now. We've been praying for Pastor Art, and we've been believing God for the church and pray that everything is going well, that you are staying faithful, you're staying involved, and staying in love with Jesus. That's what counts. Amen? And so it's a real blessing to be able to bring the Word of God to you. I just want to pray that God ministers today and uses me as a vessel. I always count it a great honor and a privilege to preach the Word of God, to speak the Word of God. Amen? And I'm coming right from my home this morning, so I pray you get blessed. Amen? Can we pray together? Father... I thank you for the opportunity to preach and to share this word, God. I, I, I pray, God, just let me share from my heart. Let it fall on, on good ground. Let the word of God be received, God. Not only let it be heard, but let it be lived, God. Lord, help us to not only be hearers, but doers of your word. Bless the Praise Chapel Las Vegas Church. All those that are listening online, those that are just uh, tuning in, those that are saved, or those that are not saved, those that are in church and not in church, speak by your spirit, God. I surrender. I thank you. It's a privilege, God, and a great honor to bring the word of God today, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I want to preach this morning about the heart of a pastor, the heart of the pastor. You know, one of the greatest jobs to take on is to be a pastor. Um, being a pastor is not a, uh, it's not a career. It's not something you do because you can't find another job uh, or because you just feel like you want to get behind a pulpit. Being a pastor is, is a calling. It's something that comes from God. You cannot step into that office of ministry just because there's nothing else to do or you want to just do it because you think that's something you might want to do. Uh, you don't try it, but there is an inner calling. I never forget, I talked to Jack Neville, uh, Pastor Larry Neville and Mike Neville's dad years ago when he was alive. And I asked him, I said, you know, how do you know you're called to preach? And he gave me these simple words. He says, you know, you're called when you rather preach than eat. Well, that was kind of a struggle for me because I love to eat but I love to preach. But I realized that I really want to reach people, and I felt the call of God. It's one of the greatest things. I remember Pastor Mike Neville saying that being a pastor, and Pastor Neville was my pastor, founder of Praise Chapel, my spiritual father, my mentor. I had the privilege of 
serving side by side with him in my me and my wife for four years in the Maywood and East LA era of Praise Chapel. I remember he said, one of the hardest jobs you'll ever have in your life, you'll ever do is to be a pastor. Now I've had some hard jobs. I've dug trenches, I've in and out of holes, I've worked construction. I mean, some some pretty hard tasks. But I, I you know, I, I found this to be very true. Uh, when I first became a pastor, I remember gathering all my Bible study lessons. I remember getting all my sermons, all my tapes, all my notes, all my ministry and training teachings. And then I even went out and bought a pastoral manual. You could buy these at a bookstore, little manuals. And they, what, what is in there is they, they show you how to do funerals and weddings and baptisms and have a few little pages there where you can take up an offering. So I figured, man, I'm ready to pastor. I got my stuff. I'm ready to go. Well, my, I remember the first church we pastored. I remember pastoring this church and we started dealing with people backsliding, people fighting, people divided, people being unfaithful, not giving, marriage attacks, breaking in the church, uh, you know, even even some physical conflict, fighting. You know, you know, I started wondering after a while, man, I, I ran out of all my sheepful lessons. I listened to my tapes over and over and over. I, I was lost. Like, what do I do now? And I started thinking, well, maybe I should go to the manual, the pastoral manual. There it is. That's the answer. So I pull out the manual. I started looking through it. I didn't find anything in there on what to do when they break in your church. I didn't find anything in there. How do you stop people from physically fist fighting? I figured, you know what? Later with this threw that out the window, and I said, it's time to seek God. It's time to really pray and get the mind of God. Amen. See, and then, praise God, eventually God began to help me maneuver uh, the church through the situation that it was in. Kind of like where we're at today. We've already been a year in the pandemic, and I know we hate 2020, but we still talk about it all the time. But where we're at today uh, even like in your situation right there where you're at as a church, your pastor's not well. He's recovering. Thank God. We're going to believe God for a full recovery. But you're battling. You're struggling. You know, there's things going on. And, uh, you know, that old saying, and I mean, it's we're far from that. But uh, when Jesus said, strike the shepherd, the prophet says, and the sheep will scatter. We see that happens in churches many times. When the pastor's down, people's kind of fade out and fade away. But I want you to know, because a pastor holds a, a very important place in the church, him and his wife, that, that office is very vital to the functioning, the operating of the church. But, you know, sometimes we have a wrong perspective. We think the pastor wants to boss. The pastor wants to control. Uh, the pastor wants to, you know, just tell us what we do. But really, the, 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 the office and the place of the pastor is to minister and serve the word of God that we would hear the word of God and we would obey it and put it into practice. You know, the Bible that we read today, amen, is full of stories of people who trusted the word of God, who heard the word of God, who applied the word of God, and it's built through relationships. One of the things that I've learned and I think is important for people, if you're in a church, there's four things that are very vital to you about any relationship with your pastor that you should know about your pastor. One of is, what is your pastor's vision? What is your pastor's heart? What is your pastor like? 
and what does he expect from you? Amen. When a disciple knows this and can answer this, I want you to know there is a relationship with him. Amen. And a relationship with what is happening within the church. The text I want to use today is in Philippians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the Philippian church. Now, the Philippian church is a is a model church. I mean, if any pastor ever wants their church to be a certain way, I would like my church to be like the Philippian church. They're the model church. And so Paul is writing this epistle, this letter to them from prison. Amen. And he's sharing his heart's desire. Like I said, I'm ministering on, ministering on the, heart of a, the heart of the pastor. And, and he's ministering. He says some things here. Just, I want to pull this out. It's Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 4. And let's just read this. It says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort or love, and if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy, Paul says. Fulfill my joy and being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition, conceit, but lowness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Wow, what a rich, rich text right here. Amen. So Paul is bringing out something here. He is really, amen, speaking about the conduct of the church, the conduct of the believers, how we are functioning in our relationships with each other and our relationships with God. I love the fact that Paul the Apostle, he uses this word, if. That's a pretty iffy word there, amen, right? If, if. It's almost a play. Well, look at it. He says, if you are comforting each other in Christ, if you are comforting each other with love. If there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection of mercy. Amen. What he is doing is he wants us to examine something. It's stepping back and taking a measuring gauge of the whole attitude in the atmosphere of the body of believers. Did you get that? He's stepping us back and he's saying, okay, like, let's think about this. If you're comforting each other in Christ, you're going out of your way and you're really lifting up each other. If you're doing it, comforting each other with love, with the right motives, uh, uh, that, that, that motive of, of the love, the, this is right from the agape love, the, the seeking the best interest, the, the best well-being for one another. If there's any fellowship of the spirit. Now, this is not the physical fellowship. This is the whole attitude and the mindset of the church saying, you know what? We're together in this. I bear witness with your spirit and my spirit in our ministry and our church and where, where we're going and what we're doing. There's a, a fellowship. A kononia is a Greek word for fellowship. A kononia of the spirit. Not a koinonia of the fellowship, breaking of bread and, and hanging out. Well, that's important as well. But the, the koinonia of the spirit, the spiritual man, we're spiritually like-minded. 
you think the same, you're believing the same, you, you're on the same, you're on the same, you're, you're different personalities, different attitudes, different, different uh, cultures in some sense, or the way lifestyles, but we have the same spirits. Our spirit is not aging, our spirit is not dull, but we're the same fellowship of the spirit. This is, if it's there, and if there's any affection of mercy, I love that. Affection of mercy, it, it, it goes on to say, if there if there's any affection of mercy. He's saying that we had examined this. If it's there, guess what he says? You fulfill my joy. Here's a passage as old. If you got that, come on. If you got that, this is what's going to follow. Then he goes on, he begins to start laying it down. He says, by being like-minded, having love, being in one accord and one mind. Then he, he, he reminds us that we shouldn't be doing things out of selfish ambition and conceit. You know, he starts beginning to start hashing away at some things. Well, you guys got that down, but okay, now let's look at some things there. And he, he starts saying, you know, are we a, are we a like-minded people? Are we having the same love? There's no favoritism. You know, that hurts the church so bad when there's favoritism. Or, you know, we, we, we love somebody less. Now, trust me, I know people are different. And there's some people, there's some difficult people in your church. Yep, I know. Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. Think about it. who's a difficult person in your church. Don't say their name. But do you ever think about maybe that you can be that difficult person? You could be that person that's kind of rubs people the wrong way. You know, how many know what I'm talking about today? So, you know, he's saying there that we have to be like-minded and have the same love and being of one accord. And, you know, we're just there's, there's something here. There's something strongly structured a church. And I just want to say that, that Paul's bringing this out for a reason. He's in prison. He's not there. He's absent. He, he's, he's not ministering to the body of Christ right now. And, and he's saying, I want to be joyful about this. And I need you to understand that there's got to be some right functioning together. We have to, I'm trusting that the church can, is operating the way it should be. And so he begins to list these things. And sometimes these are good checklists that we can look at ourselves. And I know, you know, we'll get to the, we'll get to some things right now. But he, he starts breaking this stuff down. Then he just throws a curveball and says, don't let, the, let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit. In other words, you know, don't do things for yourself and to be looked at, to be lifted up, to be full of pride. And look what I've done. You know, all of a sudden we start taking it. I just have to go through this because this is where I'm going with this. But, you know, he kind of gives these little things here. These are important to know that as a church, a body of believers, if you're serving in a ministry, if you have a responsibility, amen, uh, you know, you're doing something for, for, for the kingdom of God. Don't, don't let it get to your head. Don't do it for yourself or to watch what I can do. And let me, let me just, you know, this just do it in the right spirit, the right attitude. And he goes on to say, don't do it 
with ambition and conceit, but in lowly lowliness of mind. And how do you, how does how do you know that it comes out? How do you know that we have a lowliness of mind by esteem others better than ourselves? This is kind of what I want to get at. We're looking out for others better than ourselves. I don't know about you, but I've always looked out for myself. Amen. And one of the things I've learned that uh, part of part of being a Christian is looking for the interests of, of others, trying to help out other people, especially within the body, especially within within the family of God. Amen. Goes on to say, let us not look out for our own interest. Amen. But the interests of others. And actually, you know, this is so healthy for a church. When we're no longer looking out for ourselves. And so what Paul is doing here, by he's giving these lists and he's speaking and exhorting us, he's actually making us aware of how the enemy can creep in, especially in times that we're living in today. And, you know, I see the church so, uh, you know, we're trying to get structured. You know, we're even our church, Praise Chapel Azusa, we're, we're finally going to be getting into our Sunday night service. Um, we don't have, we're not going to have a Sunday morning, uh, but we do have a Sunday night and we've been for the last year, we have been meeting in, in uh, Rosedale area park. And then we meet in the homes and we have zoom meetings and we have, uh, you know, uh, men zoom and we go to prayer meetings. And what we're trying to do is keep everybody functioning, flowing together in a, a structure that's pretty much unstable. But even though you can be unstable, you can be united. Even though we're unstable, we can be of one mind and one accord. Even though we're unstable, we can still seek out the interests of others. And we strive hard to do this. We're not really 100% good at it, but we're, we're, we, know it, we know we need to do it. And so even as a body of Christ, we see that all the things that have happened. Uh, praise God. Uh, uh, PCLV, you guys been in your church building. That's a great blessing. But dealing with the COVID issues and all the standards and the things that we're required to do and uh, and because of sickness and and we've been praying for you guys as Sister Rita has went to be with the Lord. You know, we our hearts go out for you guys. And, you know, uh, we thank the Lord we haven't experienced anything like that close of our church family, though we do have people in our church who lost loved ones. It's just heartbreaking. And so there's been little hindrances on some things. And so uh, I just want you to know that, you know, we, we, we constantly pray for you and pray that God would would uh, would help you through this. But one thing you do want to do is you, you don't want to allow the enemy to creep in and begin to distort everything. We have to strive to be of one mind and one accord and looking out for each other. Amen. It's so vital. It's so important. Paul is in prison and he's trusting the church is going to function. And he's warning the church that we must watch out. Be careful about these things. Be careful about how we are with each other, how we care with each other. That we don't get in a place where we just start becoming unraveled. And he says, ifs, you know, if what if there's no love of Christ? What if there's no love of comfort? What if there's no fellowship of the Spirit? What if there's no affection or mercy? Well, we have a we have a bunch of people that are just not happy or they're troubled. So we need to watch for the enemy. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, Jesus is speaking, but to kill, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
but I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Isn't that a familiar, powerful scripture? One of the things that pops out to me is a thief. You know, the, we, we always say the devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. But you know, he's not only a liar, but he's a thief as well. And a thief, trust me, I was once one of those guys before. A thief is an opportunist. You know, a thief just doesn't say, hey, let's just break into this car right here. Or let's, let's, let's just break into that house. Or let's just go in there and steal that. They already got, they cased it out. They planned it out. Not only that, but they look for the opportunity. They can walk by your car every day, but that one day you leave your window down. The one day you leave your car unlocked. The thief is going to be there and going to get in. The one day you leave your window open. The one day that you don't lock your doors. The one day you're not paying attention. The thief will come to kill, to steal, and destroy. So it is in the kingdom of God. The day we begin to let our guard down. The day we don't care, the day we aren't paying attention, the day we let things get loose in our life, in our, in our walk with God, the thief will come and begin to uh, come against us, you know, like that. Amen. We know the story about Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted of the devil. The devil didn't tempt him with, you know, with a, a bunch of water. The devil didn't tempt, tempt him with a bunch of, you know, hang out with a bunch of people. He tempted him with, hey, you know what? You're fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Listen, man, why don't you turn these rocks into stone? I mean, these rocks into bread, you know, these stones into bread. You know, he, he's using the opportunity. And so he finds the weak link. He finds where something's not taken care of. As a church, we need to be careful. We have a mission. You have a purpose. You're there to make impact in Las Vegas. You're there to make disciples, to win the loss. You're there to see new people get saved. Amen. And, you know, sometimes we could say, well, the pandemic and you know what, you know, things aren't the same no more and it's different, you know, or whatever it might be. But you still got to be careful. Even Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says to be sober, be alert because your adversary, your enemy, the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, the Bible says. Amen. So Peter's giving a description. Now, here's Peter. Come on now. What's Peter's testimony? I think he's sharing something of an experience. Be sober. That means keep your mind straight. Be of one mind. Amen. Have your mind in tune in the right area. Amen. And sometimes we don't realize that there's a battle within our mind. The struggle is up here. Amen. The Bible says that... Uh, that in, in the book of First Corinthians, it talks about, amen, that the, the weapons of our warfare are not, are not, are mighty through God, amen, uh, and it, it, we're able to pull down the strongholds, what that's talking about is the mindsets, and so when you're not protecting your mind, and you start getting that attitude, or you know, just getting angry, or holding things that you don't like, or upset about things, or unforgiving, or just all this junk gets in our mind, or fear, or doubt, or unbelief, you know, you got to learn to guard that mind, and, and pull those things down, amen, pull those negativities, those, those, that spirit, that attitude, pull it down, amen, because it only happens as we're mighty in Christ, mighty in God, and so Peter's right, say, be sober, and be alert, be alert. Are you alert? And because your enemy is around. And Peter, I think he is speaking through experience. We know he failed. Well, he didn't fail, but he 
he, he let the enemy get the best of him by not following through things in his walk, in his life with God. Amen. And the Bible says he's walking around seeking whom he may devour. So Paul is writing to the church and he's saying, listen, there's something important here. We've got to guard it. We've got to protect it. We've got to protect our relationships. And I want to encourage you guys, amen, to be together. When you come together, let there be an edification. You need each other. The world needs a church. How can we reach an unhealthy world, amen, with an unhealthy church? We must be a, a healthy church. That when people come to the church, that there is a, a, a an ability to reach out and to bring them in and to love them. That they can sense and feel that there's something different about these people that are gathering together. It's sad to say today the churches are getting so much bad things that you hear and hypocritical things that have taken place and people have just abused people that come to church or we misrepresent the kingdom of God. We need a church in Las Vegas that would just say we live for God and we strive. I'm not talking about a perfect church. No, I'm not. There is no perfect church. Amen. But there's people who are strive to do right, strive to live right, strive to keep the ifs important in their church. Amen. Paul's writing says in Colossians 2, 5, it says, Though I'm absent from the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, join in beholding your order and the steadfast of your faith in Christ. He's writing to the, the church in Colossians. He says, listen, man, I'm not there in the flesh, but I'm with you in the spirit. Mm. You know, your pastor, he's sitting at home and, you know, recovering and, you know, trying to get better and get well. He's not there in the flesh. But he's there in the spirit. Amen. And he's having a joy. You want your pastor to have a joy beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. You know, I remember years ago when Pastor Neville used to fly out to Spain or international mission trips and conferences. And he gathered us leaders together. And he'd say, you know, I'm going to be gone for 10 days, 15 days. And I'm going to be gone. I'm asking you guys to look out for people, watch the church and kind of give us a charge over the church. And, and he'd say, you know, because, you know, when I'm not around, what happens? People start getting flaked out. People start, you know, missing. People start sinning. People start getting away their, their commitment, you know, and the sad today in the society we live in that, you know, uh, we got to learn to live for God because he's God. Amen. I don't know, but the scripture says in the book of Philippians that, that you and I, are, we are to work out our own salvation, amen, with fear and with trembling, right? Amen, this is what the, this is what the Bible says, amen. Uh, and that same chapter, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you not always bade me, not in my presence only, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Wow. So can I tell you something? God's working in you. And whether you have, you know, and I'm not saying that anything's wrong because Pastor Art's not there. Just the message that God put on my heart for you. But I think the, the pastor, I would, you know, one thing, I, one thing that blesses me. And, and so it's such a blessing as a pastor is when you see people living for God and doing the things of God without having the pastor have to tell them or to 
micromanage them or to make sure it's getting done. Just They're working out their salvation with fear and trembling. See, there's levels of discipleship you must understand, first of all. One of them is you're a disciple, a young disciple, a convert disciple, when all of a sudden you realize that, you know, you got your pastor telling you, are you reading? Are you praying? Are you living for God? Excuse me for a minute. All right. There we go. I was Something popped up on my screen there. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any way, Brandon, you're going to be able to get edit that out. But anyways, you know, your pastor's telling you about uh, preaching and, you know, or praying and all this. And then there's a level of discipleship where he's imparting in you. He's pouring himself in. Then there's a level of discipleship where now you're, he's out helping you lead. Well, these are levels. And you come to a place where you learn to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. And I love it when somebody's living for God and they're praying on their own, they're reading on their own, they're getting the mind of God for their church and the body of Christ. Amen. So I want to leave you with this. You know, I, I have to wrap it up. I'm, I'm going to my time right now. And here it is, guys. You know, hold the church together. God is working in you. God is with you, the Bible says. Amen. Verse 13 of Philippians chapter 2. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Right now, you may not understand what's going on in your church. You may not, you may not understand what's happening in life, but we're in his will. Amen. As we live and we serve, we obey. Amen. We're in his will and he's doing as he wishes. He's in full control of everything. Amen. And what he wants to do is he wants his good pleasure to come out of us. Amen. And as we please God, there is a joy that comes to a pastor who looks and sees a church functioning and operating and looking out for each other and encouraging each other and helping each other. I love the scripture. I want to close with the scripture here, right here. It's so powerful. Isaiah 59, verse 19. So it says, So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun, which is the east. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Amen. Come on now. Amen. When that enemy comes in, guys, Amen. The standard, you know what the standard of God is? Amen. It's the way out. What is the way out? The right way, the God way, the obedient way, the faithful way, the word of God way. Amen. What is the spirit of God saying? Amen. The standard rises when we stand in obedience and obey the Lord. We understand that the church of Acts came together. Amen. And they gathered in Acts chapter 2. And they were in one accord and one mind. And they prayed. And the Bible says, when they prayed in one mind and one accord, the Holy Spirit fell. Amen. And there was a spirit of fellowship. Amen. The fellowship of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down and baptized them in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the middle of the crisis, when you gather, embrace the presence of God. When you pray, embrace the Spirit of God. When you worship, allow God's presence. Amen. And in that is where there's healing and there's victory and there's uh, peace and unity. Amen. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we can know and trust that our God, amen, will rise up by his Spirit. Amen. He'll lift up a standard against him. Amen. Because those that try to press in on us. So praise God. Praise Chapel Las Vegas. We love you. We're praying for you in Azusa, from Azusa. We pray that all is well. I can't wait to be there physically with you one day. Amen. I want to pray with you right now. We bow your heads. Father, thank you for
Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Thank you for their life, their faithfulness. I pray for peace among them, Lord. I pray, God, that there is a, Lord, a, a spirit of encouragement that they look out for the interests of others and each other, God. I pray, God, right now you help them grow and continue to flow. We believe and trust with pa that Pastor Art, that God will, will begin to be well and, and come back in. But until then, Lord, I pray the church rises and together in unity and oneness, Lord. Oh, God, that he will just be filled with joy for the things that he's hearing and the things that he's seeing. And I pray for addition to the church and new people and fresh people. I pray for an outpouring of your power and your grace and the love of God. Thank you. And God bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Praying for you. Amen. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great Sunday. Happy Valentine's Day as well. Amen.